Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> I screamed in your face. Ah! It was a hiccup. It was the scariest thing that it happened was a to me in a long time. I said something to Nikki. She turns, looks me in the eyes, and then goes, ah! Which was a hiccup. It was more like a, ah! So. Less of a pterodactyl call, more of a pterodactyl scream. I don't know why it came out like that. I think because I was trying to hide it. <laughs> and then it just came out really loud instead. And then I promptly fell on like, the floor. <laughs> I Yeah, you did. Because I screamed at you. I was like, ah! I looked you right in the eye and screamed, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of screaming, I guess. Oh, there's plenty there's of screaming. Plenty of in screaming. This. In yeah. It. I like how he said, speaking of screaming for this one, uh-huh, but not, not for scream. scream. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> said, unpleasant noises for scream, whereas, ow, also unpleasant noises. Yeah. We're talking about Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah, we are. I like this movie. It's Buck Wild. Um, <laughs> I was, I just, I didn't yarf. You know, like, I, I didn't yarp, but I, I can understand why people did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was watching it, and I was like, mm-hmm. It's a lot of movement. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a little bit of shaky cam, one could say. Oh, just, like, a little bit. Mm. Just, like, constantly, God. drastically, God. always. I've got some fun facts. Oh, yeah. Some about the shaky cam. Some, you know, not. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about Cloverfield. The I know there's, like, multiple of them, sort of, within, like, the series, but this is just the original. It was made in 2008. Uh, it was directed by Matt Reeves, who also did the show Felicity, uh, Let Me In, not a show, a movie, hmm. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, hmm. and the new Batman movie oh. with Robert Pattinson. Oh, the new, new. The new, okay. new Batman. I was like, yeah, Christian Bale, I got it. <laughs> no, the new one with my boy. Um, if you didn't know, Robert Pattinson is my boy. Uh, Edward Cullen, that's what he prefers to be called. I didn't want to. I didn't want to sound like a freak, but yes, yeah. it's Edward. Yeah, he loved that role. <laughs> Notoriously, it's what he wants to be known for. Stop! He's gonna listen and come for us. <laughs> Sorry, our pet. I love you. Uh, it was written by Drew Goddard. He started out writing episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Alias, and Lost. But he also wrote Cabin in the Woods, World War Z, and The Martian, which was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. Hmm. He also created the Daredevil series on Netflix. This guy had a lot. And yes. every time I read stuff, I was like, oh, you just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we created the Daredevil series on Netflix, which is apparently very, very good. Um, he directed episodes of The Good Place. Hmm. And he also made Bad Times at the El Royale, which I've not seen, but I've heard great things. It's like a kind of like a thriller, sort of. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard good things. Um, Neville Page designed the creature. Hmm. So... Uh, I don't know. It was kind of inspired by Godzilla mm. in a way. We're going to get into that. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, he also worked on Super 8, Watchmen, Star Trek, Tron Legacy, and Avatar. I've seen so. two of those things. Yeah. I was like, I do like Super 8. Super 8's really good. I have not seen that. That You'd like that one. I've heard. It's really good. Uh, cinematography, there wasn't a lot on this person. Um, unfortunately he has passed away. Oh. Um, 
but he mostly worked on like other I think indie like horror films and mm. stuff like that. Uh, but his name was Michael Bonvillon. Bonvillon. I couldn't find the right pronunciation. I looked because I was like, I should make sure I pronounce this right. And I, I couldn't find it. But he also did American Ultra. Do you know that movie? No. That is a wild movie about Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg, where Kristen Stewart is like a, a sleeper agent and they say the word and she just becomes a fucking spy. Oh but in her God. real life, she's just a pothead. So it's a really interesting movie. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, nice. I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the budget mm-hmm. was $25 million, mm. which is actually a big budget compared to the other ones that we've done lately. I mm-hmm. feel like we've had such tiny budgets. So when I saw that, I was like, no way. Yeah. But that's relatively normal. Uh, do you know how much you made? Mm. You're looking at me with such stern eyes. And I was like, uh, shit, did you no. like research? <laughs> I, okay. So while I was doing research, I tried to scroll quickly past, past the numbers. Budget. But I did read it. I don't remember it. Oh, good. And, so, uh, hundred million. Yeah, close. Yeah, one seventy-two point four million. There we are. Okay. Yeah. So it did well. Yeah. I mean, it's it no a two huge billion, monster but movie. What can like, be? right? You know. Yeah. Uh, and now for some other fun facts. Yay! I think we're all gonna talk about this a little bit, so I'll just say that it's inspired by Godzilla. That's what mm. I wrote. It was mostly just someone. I think J.J. Abrams, I believe, was like. Yo, I love Godzilla. What if America had its own, like, Godzilla? Yeah, he said King Kong was too cuddly. Right. He was like, King Kong's cute. I was like, I guess. But if I was grabbed by a giant ape, I'd still be like, "Mm, I'm a little scared. No, thank you. No, thanks. Uh, So theaters did have to put up warnings about the shaky camera work. They also, sometimes they they would go as far as to, like, mention it at the box office when people bought tickets. They'd be like, hey, just so you know. (laughs) Uh, Because, yeah, people were throwing up. (laughs) And I get it. Uh, Apparently, it was also... People with migraines kept saying that it was a big trigger for them. And they were, I I didn't, I mean, I have chronic migraines and I watched it and I was fine. Yeah. I also didn't have any motion sickness, but I, I don't get motion sick. Yeah. But when I read the migraine thing, I was surprised. I was expecting like to hurt, but I didn't. Hmm. Uh, so this, I'm going to biff this, but I'm going to try my best on this fact. The style, this film is a style called. Cinema Verte? Mm, yes. Yeah. Style of documentary filmmaking uh, was developed by Edgar Morin and Jean Roach? Roach? Roche? Roche? I don't sure. know. I'm guessing. Maybe. Uh, but it combines improvisation with camera work to unveil truth or highlight subjects hidden behind reality. Uh, sometimes called observational cinema. So it's like a fly on the wall type mm-hmm. thing. Which, like, there's a lot of movies like that. But it's supposed to... I read that it was, like... It was two things. They kept saying something about how... Well, we want it to be like the camera, you know, you, you learn to just kind of ignore and it becomes part of the story. But then other things were like, we'd love it if like the camera is what's telling the story and you draw your attention to it. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I don't have that many facts on it because I didn't want to be wrong. I was like, I don't know exactly, but I just know that's the style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, observational cinema. And I wondered how much of this was improv. So I thought that was super neat when they said it mixes improvisation with camera work. I was like, I mean, it felt like that. There, I was, hope that that's... there was a quote with the person saying, I knew I wanted improv to be a big part of it. And then mm-hmm. I never actually found how big a part it I was. I couldn't, yeah, I didn't find it. Like, I didn't see, I'm sure there are interviews and I just didn't find them, but I didn't see anyone specifically say how much, but it felt like a lot, probably based I mean, on HUD. Yeah. And when we watched uh, like Blair Witch, like most yeah. of that was improv. This felt similar. So yeah. Yeah, I I'm, can imagine it's probably a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. So since visual effects were incorporated after the filming, the cast never actually saw the fir- the finished creature oh until they watched the movie. Wow. Um, they had only ever seen early conceptual renderings of it. 
but they never saw like what it would look like in the final thing. So they were kind of just looking in the sky going, ah, <laughs> like, they fooled me. Yeah. So good on those actors. Uh, also, a lot of the crew can be heard, but not seen during the film. A lot of the people would just scream, oh God. And like <laughs> random exclamations. Uh, one of the producers or one of the people, you can hear them when the, Statue of Liberty's head lands. Mm -hmm. Somebody just goes, oh, God, oh, God. That's one of the crew just screaming. I love it. Um, And actually, at the end, they have kind of like a whispered um, news thing Mm -hmm. over the credits. That's the writer. Mm -hmm. He did that. He was just like, oh, that's fun. You know, why not? So that was super cool. They just just said, hey, crew, can you guys scream? And that's lovely. Uh, So Steven Spielberg actually suggested hinting at the monster's fate. Uh, once I guess he either read the script or watched some early things of it and he said it would be cool if they hinted at what happens and so that is how we get the eerie countdown heard over the helicopter radio and the air raid sirens Uh, so I don't think that was originally the plan but he was like it would be kind of nice if you could like figure out what happened to it so they're like all right why not so that's what suggests like that bombing at the end Mm -hmm. um and then Another fun fact, T.J. Miller has said in interviews that he taped a third of the movie and almost half of it made it into the film. So he did film quite a bit of this movie. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, And I can't wait to talk about it because I'm really intrigued by how it went with that. But, um, yeah, so apparently he actually did. And I wondered because, I mean, you can hear him. I wondered how much was voiceover work and how much was just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't know. So apparently he did genuinely film quite a bit. Um, and then also, this was funny. This is my last fun fact. The central concept for the monster was a creature suffering from separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. The director said, there's nothing scarier than something huge that's spooked. <laughs> yes. And he's correct. Oh, yeah. There was um, an article I read where someone like said that. Yeah. And then they said a rampaging elephant that's yeah. just scared. Which, it doesn't have malicious intent. It's just scared. Yeah. That was one of the things, the examples that I read was like thinking of elephants when they're separated from like family and they like freak out. Yep. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I mean... It makes sense because you never see the monster like killing for just being like, angry and doing yeah. it. It's not calculated. It's just it's just upset. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, <sighs> I haven't seen the whole like Cloverfield universe. I've only whatever. seen the, the next one in the I've heard they're series. only tangentially related. <laughs> yep. Uh, but a lot of the like, I don't want to say like behind the scenes or like, I don't know, word of God is like one of the words or one of the phrases that TV Tropes uses to talk about like interviews with the director or the writer said this. Yeah. So it's like not canon within the work, but it's, you know, word of God said right. that it is. And so it's like, okay, well, that was the baby. Uh, and it was woken up by a satellite <gasps> that fell from the sky. What? Yeah. I don't have like citations for that. It That's was. so cool yeah. though. Yeah. So at the end, you see the Coney Island scene where right. it caps off with that. When they're in the Ferris wheel and they're filming out, you do see something fall from the sky <gasps> into the water. And it's unidentified. Absolutely and blowing my mind. Yeah. The word of God on that is that that's what woke up Clover. Aww. Uh, the baby. The baby. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> I would like to see the baby. Um, apparently this movie also had a shit ton of names, which I'm sure Slusho. you... Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
it was going to be named, oh, the name of the thing that they are under when the movie ends. The Arch. Yeah. The Arch. It was supposed to be named after that. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, they, they stuck with Cloverfield. Yeah. I guess they kept having to change it because people kept figuring out what they were filming. They were like, is this for Cloverfield? And they're like, no, shut up. Leave <laughs> <'Cause> us <laughs> alone. <laughs> runs into the wall. Yeah, so they kept changing the name. But then everyone kept being like, we know what this is for. Um, so I will funny. say... I have seen the second one, which is something something Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Thank you. It's great. I had no idea it was related. I watched the whole thing and I was like, I love Cloverfield. So I watched this and I was like, oh my God, this has to be related. I watched the whole movie and I was like, God, I I guess not. Like this has nothing to do with it. So weird. And then at the end, I was like, fuck. (laughs) So highly recommend. Damn. It is wild. Okay. I love that movie. I really do. And I know people were like, it was shitty. Well, shut up. (laughs) I liked it a lot. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) I just saw this movie. (sighs) Okay. Going away party is interrupted by a giant monster. And then man wants to save his girlfriend, not girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And in in doing so, endangers all of his friends and oops, they die. Oh, that, that, but yes. Sorry, I ran out of words because that captured it so eloquently oops, and so entirely because like usually i'm like oh and they all die but this one i'm like they genuinely do oops die because yeah. they really almost had it but oops, oops. <laughs> lily is oh. the only one that ambiguously could have survived you're right yeah i forgot yes but that's seriously a big ambiguity it's a is big like ambiguous. no one fucking knows that was repeated so many times in the tv tropes article for this where they were like potentially <sighs> one survivor it's yeah because i remember Watching that part and being like, was that her? Is she dead? What's going on? Like, <laughs> oh, I was so sad. I liked Lily. We'll get into it. But I need a real summary. I'm curious how they summarized this movie because they were very secretive about it when they, like, made yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I didn't do the viral marketing campaign for Nerd Corner because I had other but things I wanted to talk about They more. did do that with this a little yes. bit, right? They okay. did a lot of teasers. And I think they also did, like, ARGs, like, alternate reality games. Yes. Like, they yeah, did yeah, a yeah. bunch of weird shit. I thought so. Yeah. Because I vaguely remembered when this was coming out and I was very intrigued. I was so confused by all of it. But it looked so cool. And yeah. that's what they had issues with is people were going nuts for the teaser and they had to film stuff. They didn't want people to know, so they were like, stop it, stop catching on. <laughs> people were like, we love the teaser, so now we're going to research. And they were like, no, stop. <laughs> I need you to not. That just reminds, I don't know why, I just picture that person as you. Every time like, you watch the <laughs> teaser and then you do the research and you're like, I know you're filming Cloverfield. And they're like, no, we're not. And you're like, I know you are. It's just Kate. <laughs> I have never been so accurately roasted in my life. <laughs> just you showing up at all the filming locations going, this is for Cloverfield. And they're like, stop it. Okay. <laughs> One of my coworkers, this is not an ad. One of my coworkers was saying, yeah, my partner got this manicure set. What is it? What is it? And I said, all of in June. And he was like, y- yes. <laughs> you, just, you just know everything. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if you could like, you know, have a living being like a butterfly collector. It's like, yes, lepidopterology. <laughs> stop it. I hate it. It's incredible. <laughs> but now people expect me to know things. Well, so, well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I have to live with not knowing things. So can you imagine? I have to live this life of just empty head. I still keep going back to one of the movies we watched oh, no. where you just intuitively understood everything. Oh, that was everything. so funny. I was just on accident like, oh, I love portraiture. This reminds me of that. And you were like, well, actually, and I have never felt better. Yeah. I don't even remember. Oh, it was Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. So whoever made Black Coat's Daughter, I know because it's in my notes somewhere. Yeah. Uh, We should hang out. Yeah. 
We're on the same wavelength, and mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me a real one. Okay. As a group of New Yorkers enjoy a going-away party, little do they know that they will soon face the most terrifying night of their lives. A creature the size of a skyscraper just descends upon the city. More like rises upon the city. Yeah. Uh, leaving death and destruction in its wake. Her wake? It actually is ambiguous, but I like to imagine Clover. Anyway, it's a girl. Uh, using a handheld video camera, the friends record their struggle to survive as New York crumbles around them. A very good summary. Vague. But vague, but also let me just say the most unbelievable part of that mm. whole summary is that no one's enjoying that going away party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one was having a very good time. New Yorkers enjoy a going. No, they're not, though. New Yorkers suffer through a going away party. Like, even the person going away is miserable. And HUD is just going around making everyone very uncomfortable. Just being like, did you know they had sex? They had sexual intercourse. And it's like, be more awkward and awful. HUD's the worst. I I can't with HUD. Just as soon as he finds out, he's like, I must tell the whole party. And I, okay, I did love, though, that he's going around with the camera. And this is such a thing that people who film, like, for a long time will forget is that people will watch this. You start to just see it as, like, your eyes. So he kept zooming in on things that were totally awkward. I'm like, he has to watch this when mm-hmm. he goes to on his trip. And he's going to be like, why the fuck did he zoom in on my ex-girlfriend or this girl that I'm not dating? Marlena's tits? Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. I'm like, but it's so, and I, as much as I hate HUD, it's so relatable to film something for so long that you forget other people will see what you are doing. And you're just like, oh, fuck, how long was I staring at that person? Because I used to take, like, wedding photos. Mm. And I would just be like, oh, cool. Click, click, click. I, like, eight photos of a bird. And then I'd be like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, I have to give this to them. <laughs> so. I missed the I vowels, but the bird was really cute. Like. Common sparrow, who knew? It's just so easy to forget that people will <laughs> see what you're doing. Yo. Oh, God. Okay. I'm ready. I've been ready for this nerd corner. Ooh. For a while. Just because this movie is very, um vague so i was like kate could cover anything and i will still be like oh wow before i even started watching it i had ideas about what i would cover because i knew vaguely Mm -hmm. it's a big monster right and it was in uh oh my god i forgot how to say years i was like 2008 i thought you were trying to say new york and i'm like you forgot how to say new york (laughs) (laughs) how do you say cucumber how do you say (laughs) how do you say uh cucumber You said it fine. <laughs> You're from Boston. What are you doing? We're just roasting this woman. Yep. No one anyway. needs to know who. We'll talk about it later. She's fine. We're not hurting her at all. We're not. Uh, my brain stopped again because I saw numbers and was like, oh, no, they're coming up. Uh, 2008. Yep. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, I anticipate that we could talk about societal anxieties around um, well, we'll get to it. So Cloverfield yeah. isn't technically part of the slasher subgenre. It's a big monster movie. Um, right. Obviously. But the article that I used for Scream and Halloween is actually still relevant here. Oh, shit. And I have it this time. I love it. Hear this paper? <laughs> Cut that uh, out. This Foley work now. It's too late. You did it. <laughs> it's staying in. Live with your sins. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's a fair price to pay. Uh, so... It's the Petritus article, whose name I still don't know how to say, and I am so sorry, friend, if I am saying your name wrong. So Tiris Petritus is what I think God, it is. God, a badass name. It's so cool. Uh, this article is still relevant, and I told you that I'd eventually get to the neo-slasher period, and eventually yeah. it is now. Shit! Yeah, so as we talked about, there was this like glut of slashers in the 80s, 
And by the end of the glut. <laughs> Sorry, this is a nasty word. Yeah. Glut. Okay, continue. Do you want to know the opposite of glut? Do I? Yeah, what is it? Dearth. <laughs> Sounds like button dirt. <laughs> this podcast there is a- so balanced. One intellectual, one butt dirt. <laughs> there was a butt of movies in the 80s. <laughs> Make two words that sound like butt and dirt and expect <laughs> me to sit here with a straight face. <laughs> yeah. We were at glut. Yep, there was sure a glut of slashers in the 80s. Yeah. By the end of the 90s, though, we were drifting away from slashers. Uh, relatively bloodless films like Blair Witch Project and The Sixth Sense, both in 99, were huge oh, yeah. successes. Yeah, Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. However, there was an event in 2001. Oh. Yeah. I saw you get excited and sad. It's just like the... Uh, it's just like it's, the AIDS yeah. moment. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> that was quite sad. It brought me down. Oh, no. Uh, so that changed the political climate and introduced a new wave of societal anxieties. Yeah. And I'm sure you can tell, not a happy event. Right. It was 9-11. Uh, so this can be hard to explain to folks who weren't alive when it happened or were too young to remember it. Yeah. And that's something that I ran into when I was talking specifically to my students about Islamophobia yeah. and about like this comedy group that was, um, I think it, I don't know if it was led by, but Nikine Farsad was part of it. And oh. she's like a comedian that's yeah. often on, wait, wait, don't tell me. I'm sure she's on a lot of other things. Right. I know her from wait, 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 don't tell me and her book, How to Make White People Laugh. Yeah. But part of her book is about, like, taking a bunch of, like, Muslim comedians across country on, like, a comedy tour and going to very rural areas and trying to make people not afraid. Right. Uh, And so I was trying to talk to my students about that. And I was like, and of course, you know, the cultural context of 9-11. And they were like, eh, kind of. And I was like, oh, well. Wild. So I could never fully explain this obviously yeah uh but i'm gonna do the quick version of some facts and then the cultural impact yeah so on september 11th 2001 there was a series of attacks targeting the twin towers pentagon and the Capitol. uh four planes were hijacked by 19 members of al-qaeda two were crashed into the twin towers which held the world trade center one hit the west wing of the pentagon and the last one crash landed in pennsylvania because the passengers stormed the cockpit door and forced the hijackers to crash short of their target yeah uh so that avoided more uh, tragedy, but Mm -hmm. it was still in itself a tragedy. Nearly 3,000 people died, including a number of first responders. More than 6,000 people were injured. The U.S. hadn't experienced a mass casualty event of this scale since Pearl Harbor, but I do want to say that there were events in that time span and throughout U.S. history that had mass casualties that are attributed to inequity and white supremacist violence. For example, heat waves in like the 90s that killed over 1,000 yeah. And a failure of infrastructure and lack of safe and affordable housing contributed to that. Yeah. We also need to cover, not cover, I don't have time, I cannot do it justice right now, but we also need to consider the historical massacres and ongoing violence against indigenous folks. Yeah. So when I'm like, oh, 9-11 was the worst thing ever that happened, I, that's not what no. I'm saying. Um, it was an event that was very shocking to a large amount of people. Um, and those numbers of, like, the other mass casualty events are often left off of lists. Right. Or really difficult to quantify because we're good at disappearing people. Yeah. So, anyway, 9-11 was horrific, and we have to acknowledge the history of mass death and murder to decenter whiteness. But back to the issue at hand. After 9-11, George W. Bush, you have to say W, by the way. It's w. required, W. Yeah. George W. Bush, approved, his approval rating soared as high as 90%. 
Uh, Islamophobic attacks and hate crimes increased dramatically. Mosques were targeted for violence. Sikhs were targeted by people that didn't understand or care that they weren't Muslims. Right. They were Sikhs. (laughs) And uh, the Bush administration used our fear and xenophobia to justify another war. There was also the whole WMDs thing. So a lot of things happened. And that is not the full version of it. But... But a lot did happen. A lot happened. And that's just to set the context a little bit. So that all happened, like, rapid succession. Right, Like, this yeah. happened. Everyone was just shocked. Like, after right. 9-11, life for many Americans changed drastically. Like, security at the airport changed. There was security at the airport. Yeah. Uh, it would take hours to get through security, whereas you used to just walk on. Like, you take off your shoes. You do, like, yeah. full body scans. I used to, yeah, I used to, like, fly yeah. to visit family, like, by myself as a yeah. kid. And it was just like, eh, well, there you go. Yeah. It's weird I, to remember. That. I never flew before like 2011. Right. So I had no idea of like any flight before that. But yeah. um, surveillance increased and so did our willingness or not willingness, but our, uh, I guess we accepted surveillance as the price of like, right, uh, like safety or yeah. we said or we thought that maybe it would increase safety. Um, Our feeling of safety, though, was fundamentally disrupted. Uh, It was this enormous example of our mortality and taught us that we could become a statistic, just one person in a mass casualty event. And as humans, we are the centers of our own worlds, especially in America. (laughs) And uh, it's especially prevalent. We could get really far into, like, identity and normative, whatever. I'm not doing that. Um... So we're the center of our own worlds, and as people who didn't grow up in literal war zones or under intense surveillance and constant threat of state violence, to be shown that we could be killed so impersonally and quickly, it was terrifying in a way that many people haven't felt. Uh, It's that existential level fear. Yeah. And of course, our media reflected that. So while some songs, shows, movies, whatever, could be seen as trying to work through and process the collective trauma... Some of it is just giving a voice to it, saying, I'm afraid, I'm telling you the story that I'm afraid, this is just a reflection of my fear. And then, of course, there was a huge amount of media that fed into and encouraged Islamophobia. So there are a lot of layers and elements. (laughs) And there's, at the core of it, this sudden reminder of our own mortality that is so jarring. Yeah. There's also the socialized fear of the other, particularly Muslim folks, that has instilled in us this sense of constant danger from an outside force we don't understand, usually coded as foreign in some way. Right. So let's take this back to the horror genre. <laughs> so according to Petritus, there is this question of the future of horror around that time. Mm-hmm. Because Americans had just watched a tragedy on repeat, just looping on the news. Why would they even want to consume horror? Other folks pointed out, however, that we can use horror to process and communicate those feelings and fears. Petritus notes a trend in horror films in the early aughts. So giant monsters, home invasion films, and the rise of torture porn. Those were... Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yep. So these focus primarily on xenophobia and revenge. Uh, a stranger in your home. A giant Not monster. Not today. <laughs> Not today. Uh, a giant monster wrecks havoc on a city totally leveling whole blocks in minutes. And the slashers had their own distinct trends where it was like the remakes versus this versus this. Right. But as I said, this is not a slasher. So I'm not going to go super far into that. Uh, but broadly, the subgenre stopped focusing on punishing sexual transgressors like you had sex, you got to die. And instead explored how evil was created, where the killers had a backstory and understandable, in quotation marks, motivations beyond like kill. But because there isn't a reason to kill based on like sexual transgression, how are the victims chosen? 
Some of them were killed because they had a connection to the killer, but others were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And their deaths seem arbitrary and pointless because that's how many of us felt about 9-11. So many of the people who died had nothing to do with global finance, American imperialism, or any other precipitating factors. This is where Cloverfield comes in. Uh, so the monster doesn't target people. It doesn't, like, chase down one person the whole film. No. People die as much by accidents related to the monster as they do to the monster itself. Yeah. You weren't targeted by a well-aimed claw. You were stepped on, <laughs> and it didn't even notice. Oh. Maybe it knocked over a car while it was walking the other direction, and you were crushed by the car. It was just so meaningless and sudden that it makes us realize our own fragility in a way that is unsettling. Ugh. Like, it's one of those, it's one thing to go out the hero protecting others. It's another to be unwitnessed by a catch in someone else's story. Oh, God. So we understand how the huge monster factored in. But what about the other element? Because this is a gigantic, like, huge monster, but it's also a found footage with huge monster. Yeah. So why was found footage chosen for this movie? We've covered a lot of very personal stories mm -hmm. told through found footage about like tragedy and horror, right. like Hell House LLC, group of friends and some guests die, right. less than two dozen, uh, Blair Witch Project, three students go missing, uh, paranormal activity, one family. Right. The scale of this was radically different. And that was a reflection of the way people documented and experienced 9-11. The director, Matt Reeves, yeah. quote, watched a lot of YouTube and amateur footage taken on September 11th and in Iraq to examine the mood and frame shots of footage documented by everyday people in crisis situations. He wanted the realism. Yeah. He wanted the raw expressions and moves that arise from that mix of confusion and acute terror, and he wanted us to recognize ourselves. Mm -hmm. He intentionally pulled elements of realism to increase immersion and engagement, and yes, horror. Yeah, which is why a lot of shots have phone cameras yep. in like obscuring our view yep. yeah god that's terrifying uh and i'm gonna wrap it up with this quote it was the idea of doing a monster of our time that speaks to the anxieties of our time and the epicenter of that is new york does it plan fears that really is for the viewer to decide but in the same way that godzilla and films about unfathomable destruction do well this is a movie genre that is specifically pointed to those fears oh so i really just wanted like to get back to our roots, like, what yeah. anxieties are we playing out? Well, uh, fear of sudden pointless death yeah. in a mass casualty event. So that's Cloverfield. Oh, my God. That, I kind of assumed. Yeah. Because, like, well, once I read when it was made, and then I was like, well, I have a feeling that this will play into that. Like, mm. yeah, I kind of just assumed that would be part of Nerd Corner. Um, and they even call it out a few times in the movie. Do they? Yeah, so in one of the beginning scenes, well, not beginning scenes, but in the party pre, like, monster action right. back in the city, they have, like, the earthquakes, I think, oh, and so yeah. everyone runs up to the roof, and, like, they're actively running to the roof, and someone says, do you think it's another terrorist attack? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Dang. It's a very, like, it's a very scary movie, one. Yes. It's just, like, dang, it's a heavy movie, like, I... for its time, it had to be rough. Goddamn. There was uh, an article that I didn't like. I'm not citing it because I didn't read it in depth enough to like explore. Right. But they talked about three ways that films generally approached uh, anything surrounding like terrorism after 9-11. Yeah. And one of them was just like, don't fucking talk about it. It's too soon. One of them was like tentatively exploring it. And then like, yeah. another. so it's very interesting because there were like phases of people being like, okay, well, we have to reshoot this to take out the Twin Towers. Okay, well, we have oh, to take them yeah. out of, like, Spider-Man. Like, I forgot. Yeah. yeah, they had to take it out of stuff, too. Oh, my God, that's wild. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's, that's terrifying. It makes mm. it extra scary. Mm-hmm. But. 
God damn. This movie scares me shitless. I enjoyed this movie so much. My mouth was open most of the movie. I was just like, ah! Agape. <laughs> yes. I also like this movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird because like, I I love monster movies, but they don't usually scare me. Yeah. I mostly just find them like, oh, they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. But this one ju- does scare me. And I think it is the found footage thing that scares me the most is because like you're seeing so many people's experience mm-hmm. around their own too. And it, it's like you said, it has that like inconsequential death where it's just like, oh my God, that guy just, well, he's gone by. Like, yeah. oh, it upsets me. Yeah. Because in other movies, like Paranormal Activity, mm-hmm. you're following one family and you get to see their like very gradual descent. And mm-hmm. in this, it's like, well, they're gone. Remember the car crash Ugh. scene in An American Werewolf in London? Yes. Where it's like this long, prolonged pileup yeah. of events. The person that just gets hit by the car. Like, to me, that is the thing that I remember. Oh, yeah. And it's upsetting. Because they had no involvement. They had no knowledge, no understanding. They weren't involved in the werewolf thing at all. But, but they were gone. by catch. Oh, it's so upsetting. Yeah. So, that's this movie hole so scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of, it's time. For my notes on horror. Yes. Which again could be a mess. Let's see. I'm Let's excited. I do that sweet text to, or t- text to speech. <laughs> speech to text. Whatever. I did that to you. I said it so confidently. I know that and then one now time. I'm like, that's what it is. Yeah, of course. Yes. Um okay. talk text thing. <laughs> my first note already is okay, so it's cold cloverfield. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I said it's called Cloverfield because that's what the government calls it? Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a question in my notes because I wasn't positive, but I was like, okay, it's supposed to be like, that's the name of the inciting incident. That's their designation of that like event. Right. It's like so a code like, name or some shit from the Department of Defense. That's what I thought. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> when there's no monster at first and they're just doing like the home movies, which I love the throwing in the home movies. It really just the Coney Island makes it worse. Around. Oh, it hurts. Um, I was so nostalgic for New York. <laughs> Even though it was there. being destroyed and there was a monster mm. and also it's covered in garbage most of the time. I love New York. Uh, so I was nostalgic for it. Also, oh my God, when the beginning, when she says like, it's already a good day. Yeah. And I was like, not for long. <laughs> not for long, baby. It broke my heart. I was like, oh no, I know what happens to you. Um being woken up with a camera too mm. that part threw me off because i was like if someone woke me up with a camera i'm like absolutely get the fuck out no. of here i can't that camera's going into the bridge of their nose right and i understood obviously you needed it but i was yeah. like get out <laughs> god um and then real quick before i get to my actual notes about like horror this line cracked me up and i hated it so much it's when like they're talking it's still the home movie and he's like, uh, yeah, like, I'm interested in other things. And she's like, yeah, like what? And he goes, like, you? And I'm like, did you panic and uh-huh. just... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and he I was couldn't like, say, like, your personality. You're so intelligent. He was just like, um, you? It was very <laughs> swan like, what else is there moment? <laughs> it was very much the... <laughs> You're so beautiful. And what else? Like... <laughs> what else is there? I was like, I'll what fucking else? kill you. Don't yeah. get started on the soft god. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. Also, the acting was great. Mm, yes. Um, and I think that's also what made it so scary is the acting was top notch. And yeah. I think it was improv. A lot of it. It had to be. Yeah. It couldn't have been that scripted. 
like like I imagine Marlena's lines were probably like scripted snarks. Yeah, but they had for, to like few. Yeah, but for like the running for witnessing, right. tra- like there has to be like especially a huge amount of improv because they couldn't. They didn't know what it looked like. Yeah, they had to like right. Uh, and I think that's so wild. Any movie that has like a large amount of improv, I think, is so cool. Yeah. And if it ends up well, especially. Yeah. Like, when you can't tell, that's yeah. when it's really good. Because um, it felt really natural. Yeah. And uh, I liked I liked how they got you invested in the story. With the, like, home movies gives you the backstory of a few of the characters. Mm-hmm. Giving him the camera gives you such an interesting way to learn about the person who's leaving. And, like, mm-hmm. his relationship to people. Who's going to be important was such a smart way without having to just spell it out for you. Mm-hmm. So that was neat. I love that. It gets you invested without, I don't know, spoon feeding it to you. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, this, this is my brother. His name is like, they just Mr. Had- Exposition. Yeah. Yeah. So they had really good ways. That was awesome. Um, is he supposed to be like, <sighs> I wanted to try to use like tropes so I could be like, Kate, I'm studying. I'm listening. I'm learning. Is he like an audience surrogate? HUD? Yeah. So the audience surrogate is the person that says the things you wish you were saying and like does the things you wish or like the person that you see yourself as. Okay. Okay. So what was he then? He's not an audience surrogate then. I actually don't know what trope he would fit off the top of my head because I don't know. It's weird because he plays a part. Yeah. In the movie. Like he is. That's kind of like the guy in Hell House who he sucks, but he's the one holding the camera. And so it's weird that you might identify with him because- his yeah. perspective is the one that you're getting all this visual from. And HUD over time gets better. He does. He's not like, he is not bad and horrible like that guy in Hell House who was just mm. like a dick. He's not a bad guy. He's just kind of bumbling and can be kind of annoying. But it's funny that he's who we have the whole time. And I think that also speaks to like tragedies. Like yeah. you don't you don't choose who you're stuck with in situations like this. No. So of course we got HUD. <laughs> And Lily and Marlena were, like, the best of that bunch. Oh, 100%. They were the only ones fucking thinking it through. Like, and also, I guess I'll recap a tiny bit for anybody Mm. who maybe didn't want to watch it or whatever. But Monster shows up. Everybody that's at this party gets, like, separated. Mm -hmm. And then we have, like, a select group of people who happen to just meet up and try to get out. Mm -hmm. So you've got HUD, who is holding the camera, supposed to be, like... I guess, sort of our eyes for this whole thing. Yeah. And he's kind of just a bumbling goofball. He's supposed to be like the com- like comedic relief. Mm-hmm. When it's so weird to make your comedic relief also the person that you were seeing things through. Yeah. Because usually your comedic relief is like a character that's kind of thrown away or not important. But he was pretty important. Yeah. Um, but then you have the main character whose name I... What's the main Rob? name? Rob. Yeah. So you've got Rob and then you've got Marlena... And then you have Lily, and then you have his brother. Jason? I think, maybe? Um, but yeah, that's it. So you have this huge party, and that's what starts the the fucking terrifying part about this, is that you have this huge party, and then you're dwindled down to, like, five people. That's a trope, dwindling party. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just terrifying to see it dwindle so fast. You have this huge fucking party, mm-hmm. and that many people, that's it. Ugh. And this whole thing literally starts because this man wants to go back for this girl that he is not dating but wants to date. 
I was so mad at him because he was he was so mad at her for bringing a dude to his going away party. He literally left her on red. He didn't for call weeks. her. Why the fuck are you expecting her to pine after you when you're about to leave the country? He's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm leaving. You're supposed to communicate to her. You like, can't get mad at her for I, moving ugh. on when you literally ignored her for weeks. Their bad relationship is literally what gets this movie going. Like, if it oh, wasn't it is, for this, you probably just no. wouldn't. They would have just gone with everyone else on the bridge yeah. and left New York. Yeah. But instead, he was like, I have to go back for her and show her I love her because I was an ass. And it's like, yeah, dude, you were. And now he's dragging all of his friends with him. Literally, I just think it's hilarious that the catalyst for this movie oh, yeah. is not just a monster attacking New York. It is also this man being like, I have to show her I care. Not the time. Read the room. Like, I'm sorry, but I love a lot of people. I don't know if I love a lot of people enough to go across New York while a giant monster is attacking everything. Who knows, though? I'm kind of stupid. Goose? Goose is across New York? Oh, um, if my cats yeah. and my mom and like, okay, listen, there are a few. Yeah. But if it's like a friend that I slept with and I was like, I don't know, maybe we could date. I'd be like, ah, you're on your own. Yep. <laughs> Other fish in the Sorry. sea, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I didn't call. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's terrifying. The dwindling party really makes us, it drives home that whole like, no one is important. Like, no one is, you know? That's it. Everyone's so fragile. Everyone is disposable in the end. Oh, it's horrible. It's awful. Like, saying that hurts because hurts. I don't believe that. But that's but... what it feels like. Like, and, and I don't know why this sticks out to me so much, but there is a part where we learn that this monster has, like, parasites mm. or smaller versions yes. of itself. Sort no, of parasites. It is? Okay. Yeah. So you get these, like, parasites that are falling off of it and... Sorry, friend, but they are. We had a friend who disagreed and thought uh -huh. that they weren't. Let's call them out. <laughs> we don't have to. Listen, I love you. and You know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. Those parasites were cool as hell. We were playing Left for Dead and this friend was like, I don't know. I think I'm like, yo, you're wrong. We all just <laughs> didn't like, even let him finish. He was like, actually, I don't think we were like, no. <laughs> He's probably, honestly, he probably has a genuine opinion and it's probably very valid. But oh, I, in my I head, guess. I was like. No, those parasites are dope. So it has parasites, is what we're saying. Mm -hmm. These parasites fall off, and it scared the shit out of me when they fall off. But when it when it attacks this guy, I don't. Do you remember this clip? It's when they're showing like news footage. It falls off, and then mm -hmm. you hear the cameraman being like, "Oh, there's something falling off," and then one of them just attacks this guy. Yep. It's not someone we know, no. but it. Literally. The suddenness. This man's death is being used to just show the audience, oh, do you see what these things can do? This man's death is just shown to us to be like, look what can happen. You thought it was bad. See this. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, that's terrifying. To just have someone's death be a storytelling of like, that's it. Mm -hmm. It's just there to keep the story going. And, and it I, takes a few seconds yeah, for his entire life to just be done. And it sticks with me. I don't know why that one scene just stuck yeah. with me. So many people in this movie died, but that one just got me because I was like, oh no, he's just gone. Mm -hmm. It's like watching someone get stepped on and it's like, yeah, literally gone. in a split second, just done. And, it's and like, to me, it's just like that thing that I just have to sit with because yeah. it's just so scary. And that's what makes this whole movie scary is that it just keeps happening and everyone that you think is going to be important just like isn't. I mean, you do have these main two characters. They do last, I mean, to the end. But, like, none of, it, none of it's good. Um, so that was really interesting. But also 
what interested me, like you have the improv, you've got the dwindling party, but I really wondered how they did the camera work. Mm. Cause like if TJ Miller filmed a bunch of it, like he says, how was he given direction? Like, did you think about this at all? Cause like, I, no. I can tell you that I thought precisely zero about this. I, I was haunted by it the entire time I watched it because I don't know how they did it. And I want to know, I want to know if the cinematographer filmed, I want to know if uh, there was a cameraman who filmed, I want to know if TJ Miller was just given a camera and there was someone saying at this moment, I want you to film this at this moment. I want you to film this. Set the camera here so that it catches this. I'm haunted by it. Okay, I was not haunted by this, but I understand exactly how you feel. Do you want to hear something sad about my childhood? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not like an actual sad. It's more of a pathetic sad. (laughs) Uh, So when I was little, I didn't have a great grasp, as most children don't, of what is real and what is fake. Right. Uh, And so I told you like the nutcracker thing where it's like, oh, they're probably tired of dancing. I'll like, you know, let it go. Well, I also watched a lot of Scooby-Doo, obviously animated. Dude, I love Scooby-Doo. I thought they were actors in costumes. And I also thought (laughs) the reason this came about was I bet they must get very hot running because they're wearing their normal clothes underneath their costumes. costumes. And my dad's like, they're drawn. Someone drew those. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then for years... Literal years, I would be, like, sitting. I was homesick. I was watching Scooby-Doo, and it's like, they worked so hard to draw all of this. I can't enjoy it. My dad has ruined... I can't... For years, every time I watched Scooby-Doo, I was so upset because I thought about how hard it was to draw all of it, and I couldn't enjoy it. And I was afraid that I never would enjoy it again. Like, I had one of those moments as an eight-year-old, like, what if I never... What if I never never loved Scooby-Doo again? Oh, my God. Just eight-year-old Kate having a crisis over cartoon is uh-huh. so Kate. You yes. know? <laughs> How did you feel when they did come out with a live action and you were like, now you all see. <laughs> I, they do get hot in those because they are wearing their red. <laughs> there were a lot of levels of misunderstanding. The first and easiest was obviously they're um, not humans. The second one was why would they wear their clothes underneath their costumes? Who does that? And, like, that was my question. You were like, they're wearing their clothes. I'm like, why would they wear their clothes? Also, they're cartoons. <laughs> like, you, you roped me into it for a second there. And I was like, you can't get me. Like, stop it. They are not real. Well, so I under... This is my Scooby-Doo. Yes. Because, like, I'm sure that if I just did what? No, I'm just... <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I have more. <laughs> no, I like, don't. That's it. But I'm just like, I know exactly how you feel about being haunted and unable to focus because you just and, keep thinking about and something. And I know that if I just did research and I like really put, I could just find out. I know that. But part of me likes being a little haunted because mm. I'm like, it's just so cool. And I want the mystery to kind of be there. But also I'm so intrigued. Was, was the filming part of his blocking? Like, were they like, and if so, that's incredible. Whoever had to come up with his blocking and like the cinematographer having to work with him to know at this moment, you're going to film this. One of my favorite shots of the whole movie is, and it's one of the only times that happens is when he sets down the camera to go help. Yeah. uh, What's her name? That's stuck on the, the girl they went to go save. Oh, uh, Beth. Beth. They go to save Beth in the building and she's stuck like on a pipe. You just see her legs. Yeah. yeah. And you just see her legs, which means like, who told him to put it there? Did the cinematographer know like this is going to be a good shot? 
was there a mark on the ground saying this yeah. is where you're doing? how many times did they have to do this god i have to imagine that was super intentional like it because has you to hear be. the pain and you see the legs thrashing and that's also the a, a trope is, is yeah. the what the blood the score like the, yeah the, uh, gory discretion shot that's it where it's like we don't get a shot of the blood, but you get everything else from that shot. Mm-hmm. Like the pain, you get the the sound, you get so yeah. much of it. They had to. And I and I I'm just losing my mind. Like is what I was gonna say. Yeah. I had so many notes about certain things, but most of it was just me watching it going, Who who told you to hold it like that? Who? Amazing. I need to meet TJ Miller so I can be like, sir, please just I take help me. I think one of the things I read, I still don't have an answer to your question. I just have more to add to it. Yeah. Is that they also would film their practice because they're like, you never know when you're going to get something really important. Oh, I'm sure. So they also filmed a shit ton of their rehearsing. Which is amazing. They could go into the final. Right. And and like, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just so curious about it. And I'm also curious about the camera that was used. Like, there had to be multiple, like, it. Yeah. Well, we'll just call J.J. Abrams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I'm just going to have to call J. him. Yeah. He, I've got him on speed dial. Uh-huh. I've got a lot of questions. Speed dial is so old. That is so boomer. J.K. I can't. <laughs> I would don't, never. Don't, don't sit here and yell at me, old Scooby-Doo costume girl, okay? Okay, okay I told you this in confidence. <laughs> I told you a lot of things in confidence, and it comes up a lot. Geppetto? Actually, you, you know what? You, I do that. Yeah. I, yep, I just did it. I heard it, and I did it. <laughs> Okay. If anyone's like, roasting me. me, it's me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm having a day. <laughs> you said that. I was like, what? And you're like, oh, no, no, I get it. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I roast myself and blame you a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, God. But that that's what I took away from this movie the most is that, like, it scared me. It's a very scary movie. But I was so intrigued by how it was made that I just couldn't focus on anything mm. else and the lighting is really cool because it's it's mostly it's mostly just like dim dark mm. natural lighting mm-hmm. but then we get these weird moments of like really intense silhouettes when they're coming out of the subway yes. into the light that into is unnatural light. and confusing that was wild it was so cool because it almost feels like they're like it's like you know how you you, you see the light it's oh like yeah when you so it's like this weird, could it symbolize they're going to die? Like, yeah. this is so scary. Or could it be like the guiding light? But either way, it leads them into being like, we can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a mall turned ER turned op center. Yep. Where Marlena explodes. Explodes. That part fucked oh, me up. God. As soon as I saw her. Okay. Well, as soon as she got bit, I was like, something's wrong. Like yeah. something's going to happen. And then yeah. once she was like, I'm dizzy. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, babe. That's it. And then he turns around and her eyes are bleeding. That fucked me up. See, this is what fucked me up too, is that they played it off really well because I did not suspect a thing for her getting bit. Mm. Because in my mind, even though, like, I don't know if they mention that they're parasites or if it's, do they, like... I think they say, but I also watch with subtitles. And it okay. could have been, like, it was uh, a very closed captions, that is. It yeah, could have been, yeah. like, parasite scuttling. Right. So I never so know. So I don't know for sure if they mention their parasites or what they call them. But I, in my head, they were just smaller versions of this, like, monster. Mm-hmm. Almost like a baby. Like, yeah. So I I just took it as, like, a monster. So when it bites, I was like, oh, that's she's losing a lot of blood. Oh. So in my head, she's hurt and she's losing blood. And when she says, like, I feel dizzy, I was like, wow, she's losing blood. Good thing they're at this thing. So I'm... 
I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm on cloud nine over here thinking Marlena's going to get the help she needs. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really happy for Marlena. And then all of a sudden her eyes start bleeding. And I'm like, that's not great. Yeah. I don't love that. And then she fucking explodes. Yeah. Uh, as soon as she like saved someone, I was like, oh, well, she's going to die now. Because like she did a selfless thing. She right. saved someone she didn't have to. And she got injured in the process. And it's an alien or like right. some deep it's sea something creature. something we don't know. Yeah. It's something you don't know. And we saw alien lately. So oh, chest roasters. It's on the brain, you know, as they are. Don't put your tail on my wine. Uh, Sorry, I won't. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> it's really confusing how you did that because you are all the way across the table. But Long you're pretty tail. dexterous. Long tail. Long tail. Um... <laughs> Hey, everybody, we did cut this part out, but I'm not going to let Kate just skate by because we were trying to talk about cannibalism and Kate just said can Elizabeth. So we're going to cut out the part where she said it, but just know that she 100% just said can Elizabeth. Cannibal Elizabeth. Cannibal Elizabeth. <laughs> this is so something a cannibal would do. Uh, oh, says the cannibal. Oh my God, I know. I don't know why I bring it up because every time you have more on me than I do on you. I was about to say, like, you keep playing this game. Uh, anyway, I knew Marlena had to die because she did a selfless thing and she has to be yeah. punished. And also because, like, aliens on the brain. Right. And I was just like, I am that person that's like, well, what's going to happen? Yeah. And I was wrong about some of my predictions, but I was right about Marlena. I, well, like, I had seen this. It's not like this is the first time I had seen this movie. So I, I knew she died. I just forgot that she fucking exploded. Yeah. And also, I was trying to watch it with the, like, what would someone who had never seen this in, like, mm. think? And I was like, they kind of lull you into this false sense of, oh, she'll be okay because her and HUD have this thing. Connection, yeah. They, you know, they, Whereas movies, you know. I'm always looking out for how they'll break my heart. Where I True. think it's not like I'm perceptive. It's that I'm distrustful. And <laughs> I'm always ready to be heartbroken. Yeah, I was like, how are you going to try to hurt me next? And I was like, well, when she starts to have like a connection with HUD and they're joking together and right. she's like really cohesively part of this team. She's gonna die because then yeah. she's endeared herself to you. Yeah, and I and I think that's another part of the, the dwindling party thing that's so scary yeah. is that she really was part of the team, and mm. I really loved Marlena like from the beginning. She was so sassy and cool, and I just I loved her. I be One her of my notes was, Halloween. I could understand why he loved her. Yeah. One of my notes was like, oh, I get it. She's so cute. I, um, oh god, in my notes. She walked into the party and I was like, oh, me arrived because she's just like awkward <laughs> and not really talking to anyone and doesn't have very good makeup on. And she's just kind of like, I'm wearing boots and skinny jeans. That's my effort. And <laughs> <laughs> feels like vaguely alternative. And I was like, oh, oh I'm here. Knowing me, I'm probably the main character. I know I mocked it in the beginning, but listen, if a cute enough person was like, we could date. I'd be like, I'll save you. I will go to the building and I'll save you. I will climb up the building that it's leaning on for support. I'm dumb enough that I truly would be like, oh, uh, yeah, I got a big enough heart. Let's do this. So, yeah, don't roast him too hard. Um, but, yeah, it was just the relationships of all the people, the camera work that haunts me, the cool lighting you get from just, you know, this being supposed to be like a shitty camera. You also get some really cool sound because of it, which I love. I love sound design, obviously. I think it's dope as hell. I don't know anything about it. I just think it's amazing. And I appreciate it in films. And this is also so good because you get a few moments of like, you know how when something is too loud on a recording, it'll yeah. cut out and yeah. get grainy. And that happens a few times. And I think it's so cool because it it drives home the, the realism they're trying mm -hmm. to give you is like, 
this is just a camera, which is what the writer wanted. The writer wanted this to seem like a home movie that you were just putting into the recorder and like you're watching it. That's it. And they nailed it because the sound was, I don't know, because that was one thing I noticed in uh, Paranormal Activity has like relatively good sound. Yeah. And like, it's not, I don't know. It wasn't something that I noticed a lot of when yeah. I was watching it. The, the the sound of like the demon and the ghost is really cool. Mm-hmm. But it didn't necessarily reflect the, uh, but it didn't reflect the camera quality, I feel like. Mm. So it was still really good. And I love the sound design, but it didn't necessarily like remind me of the camera quality mm-hmm. and what it, this did. I don't know. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm rambling about the camera. I don't notice anything camera wise. And so you say things I'm like, oh, damn, cool. So sure. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed a few moments where they were really loud and it uh-huh. like kind of cut out. Yeah. And also, um, oh, I'm trying to think. They just had a lot of cool stuff going on with the camera. Yeah. That drove home like it's not the best quality yeah. kind of thing. So still had night vision, which was surprising. Yeah, that part did surprise me. I was like, I understand why it's thrown in. I don't know if this camera would have that. Probably not. But it is cool. Um, then again, I do have like an older camera at home, mm-hmm. like a just a handheld camcorder. Mm-hmm. It actually does have yeah. night vision. So it's not possible. And it wasn't like abnormally good night vision. No. It just was somewhat night right. vision. Like it's not so. better. You still struggle to see yeah. the the parasites. That's a really cool shot with the night vision. Is That's when my scariest moment. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's one. Of, it's it's on my list. Um, mm. We'll get there. But there's this really cool part in the tunnels in the subway where they're like, we you know let's put on the night vision. It's got night vision. We can see because they hear something behind them, and then you see it, and it's so much like descent. I was about to say <laughs> it's a, like the descent because as soon as they said there's night vision, I was like, well, as soon as the night vision turns on, it's going to be right there. I did not think it would be on the ceiling. Yeah. I love that part. I love that it's Incredible. not right there. Cause yeah. then you look around and because it's not amazing quality, it takes you a minute to be like, what is on the ceiling? Like what uh-huh. is, because there's rats everywhere. Yeah. So you're like, maybe rats, like maybe. And then you're like, fuck no. It yeah. is a parasite. So that part is incredible. And I feel like I'm, I don't have any specific notes for this movie just because mm. I was so into every little thing and so haunted by the camera that that's all I can talk about. Yeah. The realism is what made it so scary for me. Where, like, for a giant monster movie, yeah, it was very immersive. 100%. Because it felt like they made decisions I would make or they made decisions that somebody would make, you know, like even if you wouldn't do what this guy did, you might do like what HUD did. You might do what Lily did. Mm -hmm. They really just did a good job of being like, what happens in a scenario like this? It reminds me so much of like the whole like scream thing where they're like, well, like it's so dumb to run upstairs, like obviously blah. And then you see Sydney try to run outside and then have her upstairs. And so it's like, it explains why they did the thing that you're yelling at them for doing. Right. Where it's not like, oh, if they had just like dropped the idiot ball, they would have been fine. Yeah. It's like, no, like they're justifying their actions as they do them. And so you understand. You're, it's not like this disbelief of how fucking bullshit, like blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I think it does a good job of setting up motivation. Rob annoys me shitless. And I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity in there. But 100%. I think that each character has clear motivations and you can like justify why they do the dumb thing. Yeah. And it also like, 
And doing the right thing doesn't guarantee you'll live because most people that did the right thing died. So like his brother, like his brother dies so fast. And Mm -hmm. that part is terrifying as well because like the death in that new shot I was talking about, that one haunts me too because I thought he was going to be important and then he's just gone. Yeah. They could just, oh, it's so terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like, like you said, they, they figure like they show the motivation behind all of their actions. And even if it's like not the smartest thing, whatever, you have to factor in the fact that they're like in shock. They're they literally have been watching their friends die, and so, like this unprecedented event is occurring. Yeah, so of course they're not going to make yeah. the best decision. So then you have to think, well, what would I do in that situation? Oh. And that's what makes you feel so scared. Yeah. So any movie that like forces you to feel how they're feeling, mm. or like, what would you do in this situation? And it's like probably fucking the same thing. Oh, like, I wrote down what I would do in like do? One of the I did too. I did yeah, too. Yeah, I, I knew what I would do, and I know I'm do? a coward. Uh, so when they're like when it first starts like shit in the fan and the huge dust wave is coming up the street from the collapsed building yeah. and people are like oh no oh no and then they're like oh shit and they start running well a bunch of people run sideways into like a storefronts yeah and then they hide and then someone closes the door and they're just like hunkered down and I was like this is where I stay the rest of the movie <laughs> I yeah. do not move from the spot and then the glass windows shattered inward and I was like. Maybe I move from this spot. <laughs> I'm trying to find my note about what it is I would do. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any predictions of what I would do after that. That was the only moment where I was like, I know that I would not leave is. this place unless forced. Yeah. My plan, um, once that like big dust cloud happened and I started to see like buildings not do well, my immediate plan, go to the subway stations, mm. follow the tracks until I get to an abandoned one, mm. and then just fucking stay there as deep underground as I could. Which... This was also, I made that note before the parasites. Because who but, can fucking predict it? Right. I wrote a note about that. Sorry, I don't want to like cut no, you no, off no. on your thing. I just know that if I was to die in this movie, it would probably be because of the parasites. Because my instinct is to go as deep underground as I could mm-hmm. to the to the like abandoned stations. Because there's a lot of abandoned stations in New York that yeah. just aren't used. And so they, they're blocked off. I think I have like uh, grew up in the Middle West syndrome where I was like, okay, I got to find a tornado safe room. <laughs> it's like no windows. <laughs> I was just like deep underground. Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, so I wrote down like, it's okay to go into the subway if one, things won't collapse around you. Right. Two, the babies aren't down there. I meant the parasites. Mm-hmm. And three, if the power stays on. <laughs> And yeah. those were like the three things that I was like considering where it's like the small things that they may have seen on the news might be going down there. Everything could collapse over you because a building got knocked fucking down. True. And then like the power going out when you're underground and like there was airflow where they were, but I just worry about shit. So yeah. Surprise. So like it was my instinct and I was like, boy, I would have died so fucking fast. You would have survived longer than I would have. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean- yeah, it just depends on, like, where I went or what I yeah. did. But also, this part was the only part that, like, obviously it is a giant monster, and that's unbelievable. I get it. But if I'm suspending my disbelief, the one part that I was like, this is not accurate. You know what would have really happened? Hmm. When they went down into that subway, mm-hmm. there there would have been more people. Yes. Because well, the subway in New York is so fucking busy. Yeah. There are constantly people in the subway. So my initial thought is, there's going to be people, like we just said, stuck who would on be train. stuck on trains, one, yeah. two, too scared yeah. to leave and thinking that they're safe. So 
when they're down there and it's completely empty, I'm yeah. like, but all I can think is that the government, like the, the there army was an evacuation. may have evacuated yeah. people. But I can see your point because like, there's still going to be people that are like, I don't know, this feels safe. Like, right. They cannot move emotionally like or physically. So they're yes. not going to move. Yeah. So that was my only thing is I was like, it feels like there, there would have been people here, but to make the movie work, obviously you can't just have a bunch of people being like, Hey, we'll just stay. Yeah. Um, so mostly that's my notes. I'm going to go through and see if there's anything that I like missed. But for the most part, I was just terrified by the mix of improv, camera work, and just the realism of it all and, and how fast. Yeah. There was a moment <sighs> where they were talking about like going to the bridge. Like, don't worry. We'll take the bridge. We'll get out. That'll be fine. It's like, no, right. no, no. Monsters hate bridges. There's Monster- one thing about Glass Shark. You've got to know. Gotta know. <laughs> they... As soon as they're like, let's cross the bridge. And I was like, yo, that thing's got big legs and a big tail. What are you thinking? Monsters hate bridges. Monsters hate bridges. You'd be better off just fucking swimming. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, probably. Um, Oh, this is my note about the sound. I said, I also think the slightly bad sound quality Mm -hmm. from the camera adds to the terror because you can't quite hear what people are screaming, but you know that they're screaming. And so it adds to the fact that this feels real. Yeah. Because you can't figure out what everyone's upset about. But you know that if everyone else is screaming, you should probably yeah. be scared. I think it helps mimic that, like, cacophony of noise that you can't distinguish, mm-hmm. not only because there's so many things happening, but because you are so shocked that things just aren't making sense. Yeah. And so whereas someone in the audience... Oh, goddamn, there's a bug. Well, it's been an hour. Yeah, it's been an hour. Uh... <laughs> So I think whereas bird clock, the audience could be in this moment, like if you had good sound quality in that moment, they could pick apart everything they're hearing because they're not in a state of literal shock. Right. But the like inability to differentiate those noises, I think mimics that feeling of shock. Like after someone, after an explosion has like the muffled sound, I feel like it's kind of like that. Yeah. So like without having to give us that. Because then that would take you out of this, like, found footage. Yeah. They give you this too much sound. Yes. Bad camera quality. Like, yep. um, this is also, I said, it's also scary because this is a gradual disaster. There are still police and ambulances trying to do their job, but mm-hmm. it's not something that can be fixed. And it's at least not something that can be fixed easily. So you have people following rules and protocol, which in the end isn't going to do anything for them. And that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. So many people being herded onto this bridge by someone you trust, by like law enforcement, by, you know, yeah. but being like, you, you trust these people to be like, yes, we know best. Come on, come with yeah. us to this bridge. Immediately it fucking collapsed and you've just killed hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. But that's the protocol. What do you do in a disaster? You follow the people that you think know best. Yeah. So that part is terrifying to me. Yep. Oh, the um, moment where they were like, do not panic, like, keep walking forward, do not turn back. And I was like, as soon as one stray noise happens, they're going to be trampled deaths because yeah. people will panic. That's not like a yeah. like, condemnation of humanity. It's just a statement. Like, we're right. animals that will be scared and will stampede and crush each other on accident. Which makes it even scarier because then it's like the monster isn't the only thing you have to be afraid yeah. of. You have to be frightened of the, the mass panic that's yep. happening. So it adds to it. Um, I also said, like, it's it's unusual to see a movie letting the camera not be steady. Um, I said, no wonder people were throwing up because, like, you don't have movies like this a lot. Like, usually when you found footage, you get the, like, oh, it's kind of moving when I walk. You don't get, like, fucking shaking all over. So that was super cool. This, this was unusual, but I really liked it. 
Uh, I said to go to the subway stations. And this is my where it starts to go off the rails where I'm like, who filmed this and how? That's when I start to lose my mind. Uh, yeah. And then I have my scariest moment. And I think that's kind of all of my notes really about horror is just, it's effective. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, really about it. I took a lot of notes just because obviously stream of consciousness is what right, I do. Right, right. But I have... So I take all my notes in Google Docs because I live in fear of things being erased on accident if my computer crashes because I went through several computer crashes in my life and it was traumatizing. Uh, <laughs> but I have my like series of formatting things where yeah. it's like, okay, well, I want um, a table of contents on the left so that I can like scroll through my notes easily and find like, okay, this is where I'm writing down tropes yeah. that I think I saw. This is where I'm writing down my just notes. This is where I'm writing down nerd corner ideas. Well, I did press all caps a lot. And those became separate sections. Oh, good. So I have, ah, and Viper Mouth, and oh, a few others uh, that became uh, section headings, because I just all caps them, and Google's like, I know what you want. Uh, but I also have notes that are, like, talking about the juxtaposition of, like, that horse-drawn carriage, oh, where it's, like, this beautiful white horse, beautiful carriage, riderless, no one's in it, and it's just, like, this moment of, like, is that a fucking unicorn? Like, it just goes across yeah. the screen, and it it's might as well be a unicorn. so alive is the part yeah. that got me, is I'm like, that horse is fine. <laughs> and then I have a few moments on, like, we got our first monster moan, because, like, oh, you never know, like, yeah. if you're gonna get a good monster sound. And yep. I was like, okay, we got a roar. Uh, and then I, okay, this is where I'm hoping you agree with me. The little scuttling noises that the parasites made was darling. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> I was like, if you feel maternal towards anything, let it be these. Welcome to the party. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I do now because uh -huh. I did not it notice like, it. <laughs> it's pretty cute. Like it was now really that I'm thinking about it, like, like <laughs> they're they're pretty cute. <laughs> it is not. It did not uh, hit me quite like the chest burster and sweet child Michael did. <laughs> but it is still quite cute. Thank yes, you. Thank I you. will okay. not roast you on this one. And then at one point, like the monster turns. Oh, it's got a little tadpole it tail. Was pretty cute. <laughs> it's pretty cute. I hate that this monster was also cute because yeah. I was like. You're causing so much destruction. But yeah. also, it's like, this one I feel like is almost allowed to be kind of cute in a way. Because it, it's it not malicious. Know. It's not trying to hurt everything. No. It's like seeing things that are scary. And it's like, oh boy, I'm frightened. <laughs> Mom, I'm lost. Mom, this target's too big. <laughs> God. Oh my God. This poor monster is just a little guy lost in target. Yeah. Oh, you get so many bowls, you know, you can't see past them. Listen, that Whole home section. goods section really can throw you for a loop. Fucks you up. Uh, oh, God. There was a part. Oh, okay. I wrote down in my notes. I'm like trying to locate it between the part where they're literally on top of the building. Uh -huh. That's the part where I got nauseated. Where I was, okay. Because like I'm afraid of heights. I can, I can see it, that. It was that moment where I was like, hold on. Where's my chair? Because <laughs> I have so many nightmares of falling from heights. Yeah. And like being aware of falling and being aware of my impending demise. Right. And I was just like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I could I could 100% see that. Um, I also did have a note about the costume design just because I like costume design. Yeah. Um, It's not like it was anything groundbreaking because they are mostly just wearing street clothes, their normal clothes. Little party. Um, but you do have to respect costume design of disaster movies specifically. 
because continuity has to be so intense. Yes. Um, and every time I watch a movie like this, it's like they have to take so many photos to remember, oh, at this part, your shirt is ripped. At this part, your shirt is not ripped. At this part, you have sweat, no sweat on your back. Yeah. And like, that is one part that they do miss. There is one part where he has big sweat stain on his yeah. back. Then it's faded and gone. And then it's back again. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's really hard. Like, it's so much to keep track of. And I just think costume designers deserve a lot of praise. I read a whole ass article about the costume designer uh, for Ready or Not who really? did the wedding dress because oh there are like five different phases of disrepair and yep. bloodiness of that dress. And so she was talking about designing each portion and making sure that it aligned with the scenes. Yes. Like this is when she falls into a pit of dead goat bodies. Yeah. Like, you have to like really yeah. figure out like what would this do to a shirt? What mm-hmm. would happen to these pants? And I think that's cool. Also, I just want to say it now. My nose is stuffy, and I just want to bring it up because I know someone's going to be like, why does Nikki sound like this in this episode? I don't know what you're talking about. I have not. I don't have a cold. I'm just very cold. So my nose is stuffy, and it's slowly getting worse and worse through this episode. So I just want, I don't want to get roasted. I want to roast myself in advance so you can't hurt me by roasting me. Literally, I'm just trying to get ahead of the ball. The ball. I'm trying to get ahead of the ball here. Um, Don't roast me. My nose is stuffy. <laughs> that sad little sniff. My nose is just really stuffy. It's very cold here. We're in Ohio. It's chilly. It is chilly, yes. And I've been cold all day. I'm so sorry. No, it's Don't okay. I just wanted to get ahead of it. Don't <laughs> roast me, okay? I'm, I'm doing I'm doing my best. I'm trying really hard. I am. Um, also, I wrote, did Marlena explode? <laughs> yeah, sure did. Uh that, that that's mostly my notes then. Um, I did like the sad ending, the whole thing happening just because he wanted to date this girl. Yep, rough. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. I just said uh, the effects of the alien were super cool. I don't yeah. think it ever looks cheesy because no. I know that can happen with like big monster movies mm-hmm. with huge effects, but this doesn't doesn't really do that. I love that you rarely see it in its entirety. Yes. Uh, you see, like, its leg as it's knocking over a building. You see its face as it's, like, about to eat HUD. Right. You see it in bits and pieces, and there are a few quick moments where you see the whole thing. But right. I think that trying to figure out how these appendages yeah. fit together, really scary. It's, like, the most terrifying puzzle. Yep. I uh, love it. I have a qualm. Yes. Uh, so in the scene where shit's starting to hit the fan and, um, Rob gets a call from Beth and his phone dies and he goes into the Nokia store or the store that has Nokia phones and he's stealing a battery. They show approximately, let's say like eight looters. Yeah. Seven of them are black men. (gasps) Uh -uh, Mm -hmm. Really? There was one white looter and I was like, this is some bullshit racism. And I, I was mad because wow, I, I noticed that I just I never trust anyone, especially white directors, to actually uh, represent. He's, Rob is fucking stealing stuff too. Yeah, uh, and God. then yeah, so you see like the people breaking into buildings and like storefronts and stuff, and they always show them as black men. Really, in that scene, I saw one white man breaking in aside from Rob, and I was like, this is some racist nonsense. So I was mad about that. And because, like, I think Lily is the only character of color that, like... At least she's the only one that continues. Yes. Yeah, the like, only, like, of the core group of six. Right. And she's an incredible character, but that doesn't make up for... Oh, that sucks. I didn't yeah. even notice that. I didn't even notice the part with, like, the, the looters. Like, I was just... I don't know. 
at that point, I was like, I'm just going to keep taking my notes. And then, oh, that sucks. I wondered, like, when I was like, oh, that's weird. It's just looting. It's not really important to the story at all. But okay, like. Yeah. I like that they didn't, like, demonize looting. Because I was like, no, shit's hitting the fan. Like It was mostly just HUD being like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. Because at first, I was going to mention it. And then I was like, yeah, it's not that important. It felt like almost a way to be like, oh, see, like, people are also, like, like kind of scary like we don't know what's happening like mm-hmm. how do you react to this situation but also i was like I, I don't know i don't know the looting felt weird i was like i don't think anybody ah, maybe i don't know i'm not there yeah. i'm not new york i'm not in a monster attack so yeah. not yet <laughs> not yet but that does suck that they just yeah <sighs> i don't like that i don't <sighs> either yeah i was gonna say i was like i don't really have that many qualms i do now that's my qualm that is yeah. my singular like I did not like that. I glad thought you, it was problematic. Glad you picked up on that. Yeah. I didn't even notice, but oh, but th- those are my notes. I think. Um, yeah. You want to do scariest moment? Yeah, it was hard for me to choose. Yeah, I'll let you go because <clears throat> I think I think I know mine, but I, I want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I'd say my scariest moment. Uh, okay. So I told you one of them. It's yeah. when they're in the subway with the black, yeah, not the black light, the night vision. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, well, I knew it was going to be there. Did not realize it was going to be that close on the ceiling. My other one is when uh, they see the head of the Statue of Liberty oh, yeah. hit the building and start bouncing down the street. Because there's this, like, scale of, yeah. conf- like, okay, so you see something happening in the distance. And it's fucking huge. But it's also a distance away. And so it takes a while to get to you. And as it gets closer, you realize the sheer size yeah and there's like that delay because you're trying to reconcile what normally happens with what you're seeing right now and there's that delay in like doing anything and so people are like stunned into stillness and then they're like oh "Oh, shit we gotta get out of the way and to me that is so scary because i could see myself in that moment like you keep just saying like am i seeing what i'm seeing how big is that it's getting closer oh my oh shit i should have started running 10 seconds ago ah fuck (laughs) yeah that That to me is very scary yeah that's that's terrifying, especially how long people look at it, too. It's like, you don't really have time to look at this, but I understand. Yeah. Um, this is not my scariest moment, but picture this movie now with TikTok. <laughs> like, just, just, just everyone take a minute to picture this movie right now when oh TikTok no. exists. Oh, no. Our statue. <laughs> it's broken. It's broken. <laughs> Just someone, like our capital. Oh god! Just someone making a TikTok with that Taylor Swift song where they're just like, the fan is blowing. They're looking at the monster. No, they can't. No, I can't with TikTok right now. Okay, sorry. You you said something about the like looking at it coming towards you, and I'm like, can you imagine if someone mm. filmed that? And then I thought of TikTok. Yeah. Um, my scariest moment. I've already mentioned it, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, I don't know yet if that's my scariest moment, but it stands out, so it has to yeah. be. It's when that guy dies yeah. in the news. Even though he's not important, really, in the story, he just dies so fast. It's and he's so literally sudden. just there to drive the story forward. That's so sad. And it yeah. haunted me. I can't, I can't, just, I keep seeing it in yeah. my head and I can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think HUD just pointing the camera at the TV. So it's like this weird, you're, you're so far away from yeah. it. Like, you're not seeing it re- happen for real, but mm-hmm. you're also like, 
seeing it through two different, I don't know. It's like when you have someone else is holding up their smart, yes. not smartphone, it's like a PDA But or like they're shit. little, yeah. They're holding it up. And so you're seeing partially through the camera yeah. and partially through someone else's camera captured on your camera. Yeah. It felt yeah. like so many degrees of separation and yet it still hurt. Like, and it, and it was just good storytelling because yeah. it was a good way to show the parasites without, again, holding your hand and being like, come look at this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then the way that, that's broached with Marlena where she's in shock. Right. And Lily's just like, okay, I got this. Like, I'm going to take care of her. Like she just says they were eating people and you don't get like this description where she's like, I was in the war and I saw some things you'd never believe. Three men went into the water. Like whatever the jaws fucking thing is. It was more than three men, whatever. (laughs) But she's just like, she just says something out of shock and then she just doesn't say anything else to explain it. And so it wasn't this overwrought moment where she's like, right. And then I saw his guts spill on the sidewalk. It was just very much like her trying to reconcile what she knows to exist as normal things. It's and what she of, saw. It's the kind of movie where like you have to pay attention to get all of the context. Yes. But even if you don't, it's still scary. Yes. But I do like that. Like the little things are what's going to tell the story and, you I just like have to look. Rewatch bonus. Yeah, it yeah. totally does. Because I loved it. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it twice, I think. Yeah. But this would be the third time. But they're so spread out that it still just terrified me. Yeah. So yeah, scariest moment. Definitely loved it. I'm excited for trips. <laughs> I was about to say, are you ready for trips? Okay, Hell I think you're yeah. ready. Uh, okay. So this first one, I mostly included because I thought it was fucking hilarious, the trope that it leads to. Yeah. Uh, so this trope is Crisis Point Hospital. Okay. And so it's pointing out that most hospitals in normal non-crisis times are very orderly places. Right. That are active, that have routines, that are, like, kept clean. Like, there is a system for everything, and it all operates in tandem with each other. Like, right. It's like cogs in a machine, whatever. But in the event of a natural disaster, sometimes <laughs> things do not go as planned. I and like don't the orderliness and the systems start to break down and then you see these like bottlenecks or just moments of absolute chaos and then you also have the uh hospital that is not originally a hospital but is now one yeah a mall you're in like a jc penny's or some shit and i was like oh okay so this is the battle hospital and then like they're doing a bunch of like operations management oh god it's so creepy oh well the hospital's incidental (laughs) they're also doing this and then you see someone being wheeled away. They're like, we got another bite. And it's like, oh, no, Marlena. How many people are exploding? <laughs> yeah. And it's like they know what to do because right. they see her eyes bleed. And they're like, a bite. We got one. And then they oh, just fuck. drag her. Like, God. Ew. The promptness, like, just the swiftness of them seeing a danger and just pulling it away without any regard for anything else. You get like, no goodbye for Marlena. No. Nothing. She's and gone. all of it's terrifying because, like, all of the friends are just, like, screaming, like, where the fuck are you taking? Oh, my God. That moment is it. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, but by this trope's very nature, says tvtropes.org, expect a healthy dose of nightmare fuel, squick, tearjerker, nausea, fuel, nausea fuel, or ludicrous gibbs. <laughs> are you ready for ludicrous gibbs? I'm so ready. First of all, I don't know if I'm saying this right because I don't know if it's giblets or giblets. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's either. Okay, so you know how when we play Left 4 Dead, sometimes we play yeah. Gibfest? Oh, yeah, Gibfest or Jibfest. I don't know. I don't know. But it's called that. 
Uh, the laconic version of this page says, rest in pieces. Lots of pieces Ugh. all over the place. <laughs> and so it's a gratuitous and ridiculous spatter of blood and body yeah. pieces going everywhere. And so, like, when you have that battlefield hospital, you have people exploding. And it's a lot. And so, like, there's someone being wheeled past. And their insides are on their outsides. Oh, they're gone. Like, their middle Ugh. section's just gone. Uh, and so that's, like, you get the ludicrous gibbs or jibs. Who's to say? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, from the Crisis Point Hospital. Ew. Yeah. Gross. It reminded me so much of the Chunky Salsa Rule. Even though it's not the same. I love the Chunky Salsa Rule. Uh, okay. And then there are two that are super related. So I'm going to skip those and come back to them. Okay. Uh, reality has no soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. There was no non-diegetic music until the credits. Yep. And that's super common. And that song is footage. called Roar. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Katy Perry's Roar, if you were wondering. <laughs> uh, oh, God. So the other two tropes that I wanted to, like, dig deeper into are Kaiju and yeah. Godzilla Threshold. Okay. We're going to start with Kaiju. Uh, so that is the Japanese term referring to, like, the genre or subgenre where it has giant monsters. Yeah. And they're often destroying cities or fighting other giant monsters. Right. Uh, while most people say that Godzilla was the first kaiju movie, there were several movies that were foundational for big monster movies, namely The Lost World, a 1925 silent film about dinosaurs. Oh. Uh, well, dinosaurs being villains, right. specifically. Oh. <laughs> Not just dinosaurs being happy. Dinosaurs killing people, I think. Oh. Uh, King Kong, 1933. Yep. And The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, 1953. Oh. Spooky. E. So Godzilla came in 54 and the writers say they were heavily influenced by King Kong and there were noticeable similarities to the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, kaiju movies are like big monster, right. destroying cities, fighting other monsters. <clears throat> yeah. And so, like, some people, like, when you Google it, they're like, okay, Godzilla's the first kaiju movie. And I was like, well, that makes sense because it's a Japanese term and a Japanese movie. Right. But then other people are like, well, actually, and I was like, whatever, I'm not. I'm not gonna, I'm not here to get well, actually, today. No, I'm not touching that shit. I can't. Uh, so the second one is the Godzilla threshold. Yeah. And it, so the Godzilla threshold is the point at which anything and everything is a valid option. Where nothing is too extreme. Oh, Any solution is the solution. I so, see. Okay. Yeah. So I spent a while researching this because I have never seen Godzilla. I have never seen yeah. a single Godzilla movie. And it, so I wasn't sure how Godzilla was represented. And it turns out that across decades and movies, Godzilla has very different traits and motivations. Right. Or lack thereof. In some, he's just like a force of nature that can't be reasoned with. But not because he's evil, just because, like, he's nature. Right. And nature does things regardless of our feelings about them. Uh, and there are others where he's evil, wants to destroy. And then there are versions where they were like, okay, well, Godzilla is kind of the only thing that could save us from this worst thing. Mothra! Yes. So this is where we get to the Godzilla threshold. Right. So this is the uh, direct quote from tvtropes.org. There is wisdom in facing a threat with a proportionate response. Sure, there is no kill like overkill, but it will likely cause a lot of avoidable collateral damage. And it will guarantee that tomorrow the next threat is stronger. But every so often, the time comes when the threat is so great, the situation has gone so horribly wrong, that there is no proportionate response. When circumstances are so dire as to justify the use of any and everything that might solve it, no matter how reckless, nonsensical, or horrific, regardless of cost, when even the summoning of Godzilla, king of monsters and patient state of all collateral damage, <laughs> could not possibly make the crisis any worse, 
every so often, the situation crosses the Godzilla threshold. Oh, God. So once you cross the Godzilla threshold, no yeah. plan, with even the smallest possibility of success, no matter Just how ludicrous, dangerous, aberrant, it is valid now. Oh, God. Yeah. So the Godzilla threshold in this was nuking Manhattan. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So now, like, I want to watch all the Godzilla movies, yeah. uh, which sounds like, one, a time commitment, and two, a mistake, but... I might do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so those are the tropes that I pulled. I wanted to go, I wanted to, I didn't. Uh, I wanted to pull a bunch of just like specific to kaiju movies to right. say like, okay, well, this is where it like lines up. And I did a few of them. Like one of them is like the helicopter fly swatter. Right. Yep. Uh, but then I realized like, I actually don't know enough about kaiju movies to like yeah. be able to pick them out. But I picked out two giant, no, helicopter fly swatter and giant equals invincible. <laughs> It's so big, you can't kill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fly swatter helicopter. Like, literally, as soon as someone gets in a helicopter in a monster movie, I'm always like, that's getting slapped. So when Lily got in the helicopter, I was like, oh, well, her helicopter's like, going to go down in front of them, right? And then, funnily enough, she's the one that might actually live. Right. But when they got separated and, like, the main like, two are, like, behind, I was like, okay, well, they're going to watch her die. Yeah. Same with the bridge. I was like, oh, you're on a bridge? Okay. There's one thing about monsters you gotta know. <laughs> one thing about monsters you gotta know. <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, bye-bye. Yeah. Jeez. Even, like, if I saw a monster in real life, I would still just be like, I'm not going on a bridge. Nope. I'm not getting in a plane. Mm-mm. I will just, I don't know. I don't know where I'll no. go, but it's certainly not going to be those places. No. Oy vey. Ah. Uh, Oh god, now I have to rate this movie, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what to choose. Nokia phones was my first. Nokia phones, because of course, Scooby Doo moments. Scooby Doo moments. Um, <laughs> helicopter swats. Oh, I love a good helicopter swat. Parasite uh, scuttle. Oh, uh, parasite scuttles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too cute. It's too cute. Um, lost BB monster. Lost BB monster. Poor baby. Poor little baby. You didn't uh, know. Awkward parties. <laughs> awkward parties? <laughs> party testimonials. Oh, party testimonials, yeah. That is foundational <laughs> to this. Right? If it wasn't for that, I mean, you wouldn't even get the camera. Uh, grim retrospective Coney Island recordings. <laughs> <laughs> grim vacation footage. Yeah. Just grim footage. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones, but it's like, you don't think of them until, of course, you're done. And yeah. And you're like, what did this movie have? Like, uh, oh, movie monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah monster. Yeah. <laughs> you have the five clovers. Bleeding eyes. Bleeding exploding eyes. Exploding Marlenas. I, om- I almost said exploding Marlenas. I did. Listen, I love her. And I feel like it's a good tribute. Yeah. How many exploding Marlenas? Listen. It, I feel like it is. We got to tri- We got to go with it. Because yeah. Because we both her. thought, yeah. And I think she deserves this. She deserves it. It's yeah. the least we can do it's for her. Literally the least we could do. <laughs> literally the least. Uh, okay. Mm. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. I, I think I'm ready. Okay. One, okay. Two. Three. Listen, I was so torn. Shit! No, fuck! No, I was also thinking. Like I said, I don't know. Okay, I think I'm gonna stick with four and a half. Okay. That I'll seems... go. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I guess. I'm I'm doing four and a half because I was gonna do five. But then that thing you said about the yeah. lose really kind of that's where I was like irked me. And I also didn't feel like it really was that relevant to the story, really. Mm-mm. Like, yeah, I feel like if they wanted to show the danger of people as well as the monster, 
trampling someone yeah. like on the bridge, the bridge scene would have been enough. a more effective like yeah i think so, they were trying to say like this is what happens in natural disasters and I'm it's not like saying it's not necessarily but like just having it only be like people of color it was just a little yeah fucked up so yeah. yeah i'm gonna do four and a half and it's a really small qualm but still really close like small qualm to be yeah, like yeah. there's less than anticipated yeah for a movie from like early 2000s so yeah uh i still really liked it though i'm still haunted by the camera work and honestly i might just accept defeat and go learn about it even though i like the mystery i kind of want to know yeah Um, i yeah i was also torn between like the four and a half to five and i'm also gonna sit at four and a half because like that qualm like it is a small section of the movie but to me it's so indicative of like White supremacy operating yeah. in society, and it makes me fucking mad. I think it's upsetting how small it is too, because I'm like, it's so small that you didn't need it. Yeah, like they you didn't just need it. Taking it out, and it Ugh. seems so inconsequential. Not that it doesn't matter that it was represented this way, but right. that the director just threw it in without thinking, right. seemingly, and it, where it just seems so natural for them to put it in there. And I was like, no, that's a problem. Yeah, like it's a problem that you you're, thought you're that just, it was normal to put that there. You're just making a stereotype worse. Yeah. Like, and not yeah. capturing any of the, like, societal inequity that yeah. leads to certain things. And I'm just like, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, and it's a really, like, quick moment, but still. Yeah. I was like, eh, it's yeah. not great. But it's still. That's nine exploding Marlenas. That's nine. Oh, God. Yeah. Aww, I don't want her to explode nine times, but no. also, that blow a kiss to the sky. That's for Marlena. Yeah. Uh, blow a kiss to the sky and it hits the tent. <laughs> and, <he> just, <laughs> and it's just, plow. <laughs> Oh, God. The last thing she has to see is me blowing a kiss. And she's like, I don't want this. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. She just helicopter swats it out of the sky. The whole helicopter swat my kiss. Uh, Yeah. Nine Marlenas. It was good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. The camera works great. Unusual. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. Like... I, it's my first time seeing. It's my first time seeing it three days it's ago. My first time. Uh, I saw it for the first time this week. Yeah, <laughs> and I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how much I liked it. I think you and I should watch Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Because I don't know if it would make a good episode, mm. and, and if it ends up being like we watch it and we think it would, we could totally do it. But I think you'd like it. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I love a movie with a good twist, so mm. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. So yeah, cool. Nice love that. I think this wraps up our discussion of Cloverfield. I think so. Okay. If you enjoyed your time with us, Scooby-Doo moments and all, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. It really shows us what you enjoy from the show. And it's just really nice reading those things. Yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. Every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week where mm-hmm. you can find it if it's streaming somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then we also have like other things just from the movie that we posts. post. Yeah. <laughs> Just fun things. You can see us wearing pumpkins on our heads. We did that. We did that. It was neck great. pain. The pumpkin it, pains were real. Guys, if you put a pumpkin on your head, your shoulders hurt the next day. Fun yeah, fact. And your neck. <sighs> hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. Anyway, check out our extended show notes. Yeah. Uh, the show notes are on our website, justgoolwithitpod.com. Uh, that's where we post the memes like Glass Shark. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll post Glass Shark. We'll post Glass Shark. Glass Shark. Glass Shark. Glass shark. <laughs> Uh, you could also take a look at our Patreon, patreon.com slash it This coming weekend, well, it'll now be passed when this comes out. But yeah, technically we'll have done it'll be passed when this comes out. Yeah, we'll have done our live stream of a horror game. Yeah. Uh, we're doing right it now, Until Dawn still. Until Dawn, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, my throat's not ready. Kate's going to be, okay, I'm, guys, I've never seen anybody scream this loud yeah. at a game, and it's the funniest. Please join just oh, to God. watch Kate play these games. Oh, God, it was rough and it's gonna get more rough okay. oh you're not even a little bit yep anyway 
Uh, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Yes. Oh, they're so cool. We love them so much. We have new ones. I know. <laughs> so Kim, Kelly, me, her, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, and Kenny. Yeah, thanks y'all. We appreciate thanks, it so y'all. much. Get ready to watch Kate absolutely lose her mind at a game oh, no. this weekend. Our <laughs> team, oh, no. our table, <laughs> our Katie, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> the intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rocasella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, our city, <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they made a remake, they should make it with TikTok. I I haven't watched that Elizabeth.